does make phone calls on it. But I began to hear about smartphones, and specifically the iPhone was coming out. And people convinced me, man, you've got to get one of these iPhones. They're just great. And I began to hear about all these apps that you could put on the iPhone and how helpful it was. And so I finally broke down, and I, I got an iPhone, and I did what all parents do who get something new that's technological. You know, I, I showed it to my kids and said, how do you use this thing? And they said, oh, this is what you do, you know. And they downloaded all kinds of things on there. And, and I've got to tell you, I've actually enjoyed it. It's been a lot of help. When I uh, look at my iPhone screen, there's things I can do there. I can do my banking online. I read the paper online. I can follow my flights online when I travel. Uh, I can read a book on there. I can count calories with my fitness pal. That's always good, you know. A lot of great things that you can do on, uh, on uh, these apps. I, I even have gotten pretty good at Angry Birds over the years, all right? Pretty good at that. Not, not the best, but I'm better than my wife, Lisa, and that's all that matters when it comes to Angry Birds. And so uh, I enjoy that. But, you know, after I got all these apps, apps on there. My kids loaded it up, every app you could think of. I noticed I stopped using them as much as I did in the beginning. At first they were novel and I'd kind of use them, but, but after a while I just kind of started using my phone again just, just as a phone, you know, and, and uh, the interest cooled and, and so I stopped getting the benefit out of all those apps. We're starting a new series today and it's entitled Life Apps. And we're going to spend some time to discover that God's Word is filled with various applications that we can download into our lives, so to speak, and that if we'll use them, they'll bless us. Now, if we know about them and choose not to use them, we're not going to get the greatest blessing possible, the greatest benefit possible out of it, but God's Word has a lot to say. And we're going to get very specific in the course of our study. As I said, we're going to be talking next week about relationships in the context of family. We're going to deal about uh, God's apps for personal finances, and He's got a lot to say about that. We're going to talk about... God's app for those times when we're discouraged. And we're going to get very specific in the course of this study. But before we get specific and talk about specific apps, I need to get a little bit general and give a little bit of an overview about how we can identify the apps when we need them and how we can download them into our lives. And I, I, I have the firm conviction it can be very, very helpful. Now, if you come to Coastline, you know just about every time we start a new study, I'll typically say something like, I'm really excited about this study. And I say that because I'm normally really excited about the upcoming study. And this is no exception. I do believe that what we're going to study will have the capacity to encourage and help every one of us. What I'm saying is I believe when we get through this study, we can be better at the other end than we are right now. I really believe that. And I want to encourage you to get involved, get engaged, right at your mind and with your heart in this very first study. Get involved. And as we go through this study together, continue, stick it out. I think you'll be helped by what we're going to cover. And so I'm going to invite you, if you're able, to join me in standing one last time as we look to the text together. Joshua chapter 1 is where we're going to read. And uh, we're going to cover just a few verses here. A great story is uh, just getting started in this part of the book of Joshua. I'll talk about that a little bit, but for the sake of our Bible reading today, Joshua chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 6. And so if you look there as uh, I begin to read, the Bible says, Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Now I'm going to read on, but who's talking? Well, God is talking. And he's talking to Joshua, the guy that this book is named after. And, and he's telling Joshua, be strong. And I love the fact that God doesn't tell people to get strong. The idea is this. The strength is there. God is saying, I need you by faith to access what I've already put into your life. Everything you need to do life, it's right there. The strength is there, the courage. And so he said, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Let's look at verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper 
whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous. Now, I'm going to read the rest of this verse in a moment. But when you see a word like then in God's word in this context, you always want to get a hold of it. Because God says, you know, we can live a prosperous life from God's perspective. And he said it's based on something. You do these things then. Then then you can see that blessing, that benefit. Look at the end of verse 8. And then thou shalt have good success. Now, it's interesting to me that the Bible is a book that tells us how we can have success in life. Yet the word success is found only once in the complete Bible. And it's in the verse we just read. And God says we can have success. In fact, he, he goes more than that. If you look at the last two words of our text, he says that we can have good success. And I want us to think on this together today. So as I'm praying, I'm going to ask the Lord to help me. I love teaching. I love teaching. And I'm going to ask him to help me today to be the best teacher I can possibly be. And, and as I'm asking the Lord to do that, I hope you'll be saying, Lord, help, help me to learn. Help us to be working together today. And uh, I often remind people, you're not the audience today. You didn't come to impress me, and I'm not here to impress you. But, but I believe God's looking in today, and he delights when he sees people getting together around the Bible and doing their best to get plugged in and learn. And so let's, let's ask the Lord to help us as we study together today. Our Father, thank you for your word, for the truth of it. Lord, I pray that you'd use this time today to help us to gain some things that, that we need to maybe improve on or some areas that uh, uh, are lacking in our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would help me to be uh, the best teacher that I can be. I pray that you would give me the words to say and, and help me to know what to say, what to stay away from and how things need to be said. And, and I pray that every person in this room would be helped. And, and Lord, more than that, I pray that you'd be pleased, that you would be the one that, that is honored and glorified, Lord. It's really all about you, and we know that. And we ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks a lot. You can be seated. If ever there was a book written to tell us first what success is, and then secondly, how to have success, it was the Bible. The Bible is God's Word. The Bible was written over a span of about 2,000 years. About 40 different authors contributed to the 66 books that compile the one book we call the Bible. But all of the books, all of those 66 books are inspired of God. As I said, the Bible is God's Word. He, He wrote it to us. Some have said that the Bible is God's love letter to people. And I think that's a fair thing to say. I think the Bible tells us about love. The last song we heard tells us how we can know of God's love. But more than just the love letter to people, the Bible is God's instruction manual for life. The Bible is God's way of writing to us to let us know what is important in life and how to get those things done and get them done the best way possible. The text before us represents a new beginning in the life of this man that we met a moment ago, a man by the name of Joshua. Joshua, to this point in his life, had been really backing up the main leader in the nation of Israel. It was a new nation. And the leader, their first leader, was a man by the name of Moses. And Joshua was a young guy in his teens and in his early years in life. He was, he was a leader, but he was supporting the, the main leader of the country, Moses. But Moses came to the end of his journey and he died and God let Joshua know he wanted him to be the leader. And so Joshua now is leading the people and in his heart he wanted to do well. You see, Joshua didn't just want to live life, he wanted to make the most of life. He didn't just want to pass the time, he wanted to do something great with his life. In fact, he wanted to be successful. 
And so God begins to share some things with Joshua that he'll need to know if he truly wants to have success, how he can have success. And again, the pressure switched when the buck stopped with him, so to speak. He wanted to do well. He knew his family was counting on him. He knew he had friends looking to him. But now he has an entire nation of people trusting on on how he will provide leadership. And Joshua understood that the key to successful living is knowing where to go in life and knowing how to get there. And it's, it's ultimately trusting God. Joshua would need some apps, so to speak, to use something we'd be more familiar with. He would need some of these apps downloaded and then developing in his life. Now, there, there were many specific apps that helped Joshua in his life, but, but this passage really deals with the issue, first of all, of, of how to discover these various apps in Scripture and then get them downloaded into your life. And I said that a moment ago. We're going to be a little more general today. This is an introductory lesson, and I think there's something for all of us. But, you know, if we're not careful, what we'll do is kind of get stuck in the cliches of life. And really, not many people are worse than that than pastors. We'll kind of talk pie-in-the-sky terminology, and we'll talk about promises that often don't come through and deliver in any real way in our lives. And, and we can just kind of go through the motions. You see, Joshua valued his God-given life so much that he didn't see a margin for error. He said, I want to make most of every moment. And he needed to know up front how to access God's will and enabling for his life. And that's exactly what we find out how to do in this text. We find out how to find those apps, so to speak. And, and so Joshua was a man in a time of transition, and yet he emerges into a season of success. And we find in this passage, how do you do that? How do you go from a time of transition to the point where in life you're firing on all cylinders, so to speak, and you're making the most of the life that God has given you? Joshua's a great example for us today. He wasn't a perfect guy, but listen, God knows none of us are. And yet we find a pattern here that can help everybody. And so as you're looking to your notes today in the outline, you're going to find that for Joshua and really for us, it all began with the right attitude. The right attitude. In verse 6, in the beginning of verse 7, we find some things repeated. And the the Bible tells us, God speaking, the Bible says, Be strong and of a good courage. And here's the point God was making to Joshua. That that progress in life would not come easily or without work. It's going to require strength. It's going to require courage. That was the point of it all. And, And Joshua would have battles to face. And so God says, Joshua, you're going to need some strength. And so be strong. I've put it in your life. Have the courage to access that which I put in you. Do the right thing, Joshua. Access that strength and have courage. And this attitude I'm talking about, please hear this. It's not an attitude when we come to various issues in life that looks within for what we need. Because the Bible makes it clear that so much of what we need in life for the different things we encounter, it's just not in us. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of, uh, of ourselves. Our sufficiency is of God. You see, when those things come into our lives that can cause us to feel weak or cause us to feel fear, God is saying this to Joshua. When those times come, don't look within, Joshua. You'll be disappointed with what you find. Look above. Look up. Understand that I'm there. Understand that you can trust me, that I'll give you that strength that you need to get through And so Joshua was learning these things. He was learning God was his source. And the Bible says to us in Psalm 56 and 3, What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. You see, we have these times, don't we, when fear comes. And the Bible tells us when the fear comes, trust God. 
you can have courage in Him. The Bible in Psalm 20 and 6 says this, Now know I that the Lord saveth His anointed. He will hear Him from His holy heaven with the saving strength of His right hand. Uh, the right hand when mentioned in Scriptures, speaking basically of the, of the dominant hand, and, and that would have been the case. Apparently God was right-handed. I know that I throw with my left hand, but when the Bible says that God's going to be there for us with His right hand, what the Bible is saying is this, the God of all strength is willing to give you all His strength. In your trials, in your struggles, in the things you go through, you've got a God that tells you to be strong because His strength can be in you. A God that tells you to be courageous because He's ever with you. And it's interesting to me that in the end of verse 6, after telling Joshua to be strong and of a good courage, God continues to tell him of the success that he can have in his life. Joshua could do everything God wanted him to do. He could be everything God wanted him to be as he'd come to the point in life where he found his strength and his courage in God. Friends, I want you to know you can do everything God wants you to do and you can be everything God wants you to be as you're following God's will and, and trusting in Him. Uh, when I was growing up, my, my family had a boat and uh, we always enjoyed it. They say the two best days in a person's life, the first day is when they buy the boat, the second day is when they sell their boat. You know, and My dad bought a boat and sold the boat and, and we haven't had one in our family for years and years and years, more than 20 years. And a few weeks ago, my dad called me and said, Steve, I got a new boat. And uh, I was excited about that. My dad lives about two and a half uh, hours away or so. And, and the boat he bought was uh, in the harbor here in Oceanside. And I'm like, good for me. You know, that was a good thing. I'm glad you bought a boat, Dad. And I'm glad it's in my backyard, not yours. And so he told me about this boat. And, of course, we haven't been on a boat in years. And when we had it, I was younger and didn't know uh, all there was to know. And so he said, hey, listen, I've hired a captain to give us a sailing lesson. We can brush up on, on some of these things. I said, all right, that sounds great. So we met down there. It was a day off. Went down there. And, and uh, we, we uh, got on the boat. And I met the captain. And, and uh, after he kind of orientated us a little bit, it was pretty familiar. But he said, all right, Steve, get behind the wheel and pull the boat out of the slip. Now, that was a problem for me. The, the boat, first of all, it's 36 feet long. And the slip it's parked in is only 34 feet long. And so it's a real tight squeeze. Some of those channels, you know, are a little wider than others. weren't a very narrow one. So the boat's too big for the slip. And it's actually a very narrow place in the harbor. And, and uh, that, that boat, it weighs about 10,500 pounds. And boats don't have brake pedals. And once they get moving even very slowly, man, those things will just keep on going. It's got three and a half ton lead keel under the bottom of that thing. Once it gets motion, it keeps on moving. And I was a little bit nervous about that. But Richard, the captain, he said, Steve, listen, you just do it. I'm going to stand right here next to you and, and I'll help you. And so we got there and the lines were tossed in. Everyone's on board and I put that boat in reverse and no throttle at all, man. Just idling, just backing out as slowly as I can and, and trying to turn it there. And he told me to put it in, in forward a little sooner than I thought. But again, it takes a while for the boat to stop going backwards and then to go forward. And, and I didn't break anything. I didn't hit anybody else's boat. I didn't ruin my dad's new boat. Uh, with Richard standing there, he told me what to do and when to do it. And I managed to pull the boat out of the slip. It was something I hadn't done before, something I didn't know how to do. But because there was someone there with me, I could enter, enter into a unique experience for me and do it in a good way. Friends, let me tell you something. Uh, that's just how it is with God. Every day of our life, we're doing things we've never done before. You might say, well, pastor, you don't know how boring my life is. It's routine. It's mundane. The fact of the matter is every day of your life is a day you've never lived before. And you're going to do things that day that you've never done on that day before. And we have a God who says, listen, I'm the captain. I'm in charge. I'm calling the shots, but I'm going to stand right here with you. And I'm going to help you along the way and tell you what to do and how to do it. And you're going to find that you're going to be able to do things you never could have done without me. But because I'm here, I can encourage you. 
We started our reading in verse 6, but if we'd have gone back a verse into verse 5, we would have heard the Lord tell Joshua this, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. What was God saying? Joshua, there are a lot of things you can't trust in this life. You can't always trust what other people tell you. Is there anybody here today who's ever had anybody in life let them down? Good. Five of you, eight of you, good. I think all of us would say, I've been let down. How many of you have let yourself down? My hand's up. God was saying, Joshua, look, there's a lot of things in life, a lot of people that are going to let you down. I'm not going to let you down. I'm not going to fail you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to be there with you every step of the way. And it was this understanding that allowed Joshua to have the right attitude so that he could have good success. But as we keep looking here, we find that we have to have the right approach, the right approach. As God's words continue here in the midst of verse 7, he said that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Now, there's really two key words in that verse. If you're in the habit of underlining words in your Bible or circling them or bringing attention to them in your notes, here's the two words I want you to get out of that statement. Observe and do. God told Joshua, listen, here's the right approach. You've got to observe and you've got to do. Observe the law of God and then do the law of God. Now, the Bible is pretty clear that we need to study it. We need to learn it. And then we need to do what we find there. James, the half-brother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in the book of James in the New Testament said this, don't just be hearers of the word, do it. Don't just listen to it. You've got to apply it to your life. Do what you read. And, and, and I want you to understand something today. We are blessed beyond measure to have a book like this in our lives. This is God's book. It's perfect. He wrote it to everybody, but he wrote it to you and me specifically. Everything we need to know about life is found in here by way of principle. And we're encouraged today to know that God took the time to inspire people the right words that he's preserved for us today so that we can open the Bible with the questions we have. And if we'll take the time to observe and then do, we'll find a success that can only come by way of God. And we're blessed to have this. Now, Joshua, he didn't have all of the Bible like we do. In fact, if we were to turn back one page, we would find out that's how much of the Bible Joshua had. He had the first five books of the Bible that Moses wrote. And the first five books of the Bible are the portion of Scripture we often call the law. And, and so Joshua had these first five books of the Bible, the law, and that's why God told Joshua there in verse 7 to do according to all the law which Moses had given. And, and so he has the law, he has a great resource, he's to observe and then to do. And the approach that gains insight from God that leads to success is a life that is willing to learn from the Bible and then to do what we learn. The Bible in Psalm 119, 2 and 3 says this, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies, and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity, they walk in his ways. The Bible says this, the blessed life is the life that, that knows what God says and then does it. We keep his testimonies, referring to his scriptures. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a life that was just a total train wreck. Maybe you've been there uh, in your life. I've been there at times in my life. But if there's a great example in the Bible of a life that was just a complete and total train wreck, it was the life of the first king of Israel, a guy by the name of Saul. Now, the Bible tells us quite a lot about Saul. The Bible tells us he was a big guy. He was a good-looking guy. He was, he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He had a lot of things going for him. And probably the best attribute in the life of Saul when he was young was the fact he was very humble, you know? And a lot of times, if we have a lot going for us, we'll tend to get the big head and get kind of full of ourselves. But that wasn't the case with Saul. He was a very humble guy. And he observed God's Word. And then he did it. And God then began to bring success. And when the success came... 
this guy who was very, very humble, started to get very, very arrogant. He had observed God's word, but there came a time in his life where he kind of got the idea that all the success that came was due to his glory, not that of God's. And, and, and after he had this success, he decided, yeah, I've already observed God's word, but I'm not going to do it. I'll just do what I want. And there was a, a guy living in the day, a man of God by the name of Samuel, a prophet who, who comes to Saul. And in 1 Samuel 15, we find this confrontation they have. In verse 17, Samuel comes and he says, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. Now, now what Samuel was saying was this, Saul, there was a time in your life where you were humble. You had an appropriate estimation of yourself. You didn't have the big head. You didn't think you were better than everybody else. You were willing to open the Bible and observe and then do. But Samuel, you've gotten to the point where although you've at times observed the word of God, you're no longer doing it. And Samuel was saying, Saul, I want you to know something. This is going to bring some difficult times to your life. You can't go through life uh, with with a a denial of, of God's word when you know it and expect to have God's success come your way. And so he enjoyed success, but then he had to deal with the, the consequences of ignoring God. And it's so important that once we have the right attitude and approach that we continue, that we keep going. It's not enough to have a good start. We have to keep using these apps as they come. That's why in this text, God told Joshua this, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. God was saying this, Joshua, you want success? You want to be a good leader? You want to be that blessing to your family and your friends and to your community? Here's how you do it. You have to have the right attitude and the right approach. And when you get on that path, just stay on that path. Don't get off of it. Uh, Don't start out going my way and then decide you're going to go your way. Just stick with me and it'll be the very best thing for you and for others. And so we see the right approach. As we keep looking here, however, we'll see also the right application. Now we look to verse 8. We find that God made it clear that each app would be needed in Joshua's journey and and that it would be found in the Bible. Joshua knew the word of God, but God told Joshua this. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Here's what God was saying. Joshua, think about it. Think about the word. Think about the truths you know and then do them. Do them. God was saying this to Joshua You have to apply the apps to your life. It's not enough just to get them on your phone. You've got to put them to work. And I think we all know what it is to have times in our life where we know better than we're doing. I'm sure I'm not the only guy who can say there have been times in my life I've done things where in my mind I'm thinking, this isn't a good idea. I shouldn't do this, you know. Uh, I've, I've probably got some great stories I could tell that I won't. For a lot of obvious reasons, but I remember when our church was just getting started, Lisa and I had moved here and we were excited and, and uh, we decided we probably should buy a computer before the church got started and I bought the very best computer I could find uh, at that time. Now it's interesting, my current iPhone has more than 10 times uh, the, the memory that that computer did back then, but at the time it was so awesome, friends would literally come over to my house just to look at my computer and they'd be like, wow, that's awesome, man, you know, look at that. And I'd be like, 3.2 gigabyte hard drive, man, check this computer out. And, and of course now that's a joke, you know, but at the time it was, it was great. And uh, I remember a lot of those first sermons that I preached, I'd type uh, on that uh, computer and I'd save them and it had all our church information, all of uh, our, our accounting, all of that stuff. And I remember one day working on that computer and I got the blue screen of death 
and I panicked. And so I called the computer genius who came over and the computer genius uh, said, yeah, it's dead. It's lived its life and it's dead. It was a, a premature death. God bless its soul, you know, but it, it died nonetheless. And, and uh, he said, but you've been backing up, haven't you? Well, I know to back up. I mean, everybody knows to back up. Listen, every computer in the world, your computer, my computer, our current computers, they're going to die at some point. You've got to back up. We all know that. I knew that then. I know it now. But I didn't do it. I knew better than I did. And because I hadn't backed up, my computer died. It made for some really interesting uh, days following that, trying to call up a sermon I'd already saved that I needed to preach a couple days later. And, and all the records that had been gone, there was a, a lot of difficulty there as the result of that. And often in life, we have a general understanding that God has the answers, but we just don't apply them to our lives. And what happens is we invite needless troubles in. Instead of making the most of our time, we just pass the time. Instead of uh, living a life of success, we're just living life. And we have to understand early on in this series that the apps we're going to talk about, that we're going to discuss, have no value to us, practically speaking, until we apply them. Now, there's one app that stands above all the others. One app that stands above all the others. In fact, the app I'm going to tell you about with the rest of our time this morning briefly is, is the app that is the beginning. God would say, basically, it's the first app. It's where you've got to start. This has to be downloaded before any of the others can come in. And it's an app that all of us equally need. There's not one of us here today when I explain this app who can say, yeah, I don't need that one because it's something that we all need. The, the Bible talks about the fact that all of us today share a problem. None of us are perfect. None of us are. I could ask for a raise of hand say, you know, how many of you are imperfect or how many are perfect? And, and, and the fact of the matter is, I don't need to do that because we already know there's not one of us here today that's absolutely perfect. In fact, the Bible in Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The word sin there means to miss the mark. And we all miss the mark. Imagine your body as an arrow being shot to the mark, which is God's perfection. The Bible says that we all fall short. Now, you might come closer to the mark than I do. I don't know. We could argue and find out who's the best person in this room. And maybe we would find the best person in this room, but there's no perfect person in this room. And God is saying, whether you miss it by this much or this much or this much, everybody misses it. We're all imperfect. We're all what the Bible calls sinners, and we all fall short. That's just a fact of the matter. I like the story of the zookeeper that saw a few boys, and he could just tell they were up to something. And uh, he went over there and asked them their names and what they were up to. And the first boy said, I'm Tommy, and, and I was trying to feed peanuts to the lions. And uh, he looked at the second boy, and he said, I'm Bobby, and I was trying to feed peanuts to the lions, too. And the third boy was just crying, you know, and he said, what about you? And the third boy said, my name's Peanuts. You know, he was having a bad day, but we could wonder, who taught those guys to feed peanuts to the lions? You don't have to teach kids to do things like that. I, I never one time sat my children down and said, all right, girls, I want to tell you how to throw a fit. You know, just watch your, no, never, never mind. I was going to say watch your mother. That would have been bad. But uh, I, I want to teach you how, do you, how do you lie or do these things? You don't have to teach kids that. Nobody had to teach me that. We come from the factory wired that way. It's just in us. The Bible says that we're all just imperfect. We're all just sinners. That's the way it is. No perfect people. I like the story of the two middle-aged guys who were talking. And uh, the one friend asked the other, he said, man, why have you never gotten married? And he said, you know, I've just been waiting for the perfect woman. He said, in all these years, you haven't met one woman that meets up to your standard? And he said, well, there was that one. Man, she was awesome. And he said, she was smart, she was funny, she was beautiful. Oh, man, she was great. And his friend said, well, why didn't you marry her? He said, well, as it turns out, she was looking for the perfect man. Okay, and so you can look all day long. 
he wasn't, never mind, that next joke quickly, but at any rate, uh, you can look all your life for that perfect person, and you're not going to find him, and, and so I want to say today, cut yourself some slack, would you? Uh, sometimes we go through life and we think, boy, God's got to be shocked at the reality that I'm imperfect. I want you to know God knows that. And that's why in his love, God said, hey, imperfect people, I've got an app just for you. It's for all of you. I, I know we're all sinners and we all fall short. But I also know today that there's a God that says I, I can help with that. In Romans 6.23, the Bible says this, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The word wages there, I think of a paycheck. That's probably where I would associate that word wages the most. But it just means what you deserve, what you've earned, what you have coming. And the Bible says that what we deserve, what we have coming because of our sin is death. Spiritual death. That's separation from God in the awful place. I don't even like to talk about it. Jesus talked a lot about it. It's the place the Bible calls hell. And there's a lot of very uh, unsavory things in hell. I'm sure you've heard some about hell. But let me tell you the worst thing about hell is the Bible says that God's not there. Death is ultimately separation. Physically, death is separation from our body. Spiritually, death is separation from God for all of eternity. And the Bible says, listen, we're all sinners. And then the Bible says because of our sin, we deserve to be separated from God in the awful place the Bible calls hell forever. And ever. But the end of that verse says this But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's where we kind of turn the corner, and this is all very good news the gift of God. You see, I know a few things about gifts. I, I know you don't have to pay for them, it wouldn't be a gift any longer. I know you don't have to earn them. I, I know that you don't have to perform to attain them, you just have to receive them. And so here's what God says, and this applies to every one of us. None of us can say, I'm too good or too bad for this. This is something that is, is even for all of us. God says, look, humanity, you just don't measure up. I'm perfect and you're not. And if I let imperfect in my presence, then my presence would no longer be perfect. So we've got a problem. But God says, I love you anyhow. I love you anyhow. So I've got an app. I'm using that word here, and hopefully I'm explaining it. I, I, I want all of you to be with me. I don't want you to be separated from me. I love everybody. And God tells us that he's provided a way. Listen, I want you to understand when we think of a way to have a relationship with God, there's not my way and your way. There's just his way. There's not the Baptist church way and the Presbyterian church way and the Catholic church way and whatever. You can fill in the blanks. There's just his way. And God says, I want you to know about my way. God says, when I chose an analogy to explain how you can have the forgiveness of sins in a relationship with me. I chose the analogy of a gift. And you get a gift by receiving it. Now, how do you receive a spiritual gift? Well, by faith, of course. That's, that's what a relationship with God is all about. In Romans 10.10, 10, the Bible says this, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And I, I, I like to say that verse means this. God is telling us, talk is cheap, okay? It's not just repeating some spiritual-sounding prayer that allows us to enter into a relationship with God. It's a heart that believes. With the heart man believeth, and with the mouth confession is made a couple verses later in that same passage the bible says this for whosoever shall call upon the name of the lord shall be saved saved from what saved from the fact that we don't measure up that we fall short saved from our sin and saved unto a relationship with god that not only brings the forgiveness of sins but it gives us a relationship with god all through this life and we need his help in this life and it brings us the assurance of a home in heaven one day and I'm grateful for what God has done for us. 
to receive God's gift of eternal life? The Bible says just ask Him in faith. Just ask Him in faith. Uh, my, my iPhone is filled with apps that I know can help me, that don't help me, because I don't use them all. They don't help me. You see, the good success spoken of in our text today comes to those who have the right attitude. They trust God. They have the right approach. They observe the Word of God, and then they do the Word of God. They apply the apps they find to their lives. And when it comes to this ultimate starting point in terms of entering into a relationship with God of salvation, I want you to know today, we can know all about God and His love and what He's done for us. But if we've not personally accepted, received it, it's of no value. Everybody has a story. And uh, I sometimes say my story is not better than yours or anybody else's. I just know it better because it's mine. But I heard someone else's story recently that I thought was was interesting. Uh, my, my oldest brother, Paul, has a friend who was a former congressman in Oklahoma. He was a congressman by the name of J.C. Watts. He was uh, a great athlete, played uh, college football there in Oklahoma and, and uh, had a good career in Congress. And my brother was talking to J.C. and he asked him one day, he said, how, how did you come to know Christ? How did you come to know Christ? And, and uh, J.C. said, well, he said, you know, it was kind of interesting for me he said, I was in church. He attended a large church. In fact, he was the youth director of that church. And he said, our pastor made a statement one day that kind of shook me up. He said, our pastor was preaching and he said today, he said, if you are only 99% sure that you have a relationship with God that will last forever, you could be 100% lost forever. J.C. said when he heard that, it just bothered him. Now, again, this was a guy who was helpful in his community. He gave time. He worked in his church. He gave of his income. He, he, he had a good career in Congress. He loves his country. This was a guy that, by all outward appearances, we would have said, man, he's, he's a good guy. He, he's a, a guy that really seems to care about others and has an interest in God. He attended church for Pete's sake. This was a really good guy. But when the question was confronting him that way if you're only 99% sure you could be 100% lost it it shook him up and he started thinking well just how sure am I and friends I want you to know today that if if we're only 99% sure that's not as sure as we can be the Bible says in 1 John 5 13 that these things are written that we know that we have eternal life I want you to know you can know that how cruel of God would it be to send us through life just all the time hoping that everything was okay? Maybe we have the scale mentality, if my good outweighs my bad, well, I've never killed anybody, and that, well, that's good, you know, and, and we're just hoping it's all working out, and, and we just kind of go through life with this sense of, man, I just hope when I get to the end that, that it all comes out okay, and that'd be pretty cruel of God. God says, no, 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 I don't want you to go through life wondering where you stand with me. If you're going to have good success, it all starts, first of all, with knowing we have a relationship. The first app that we need to download, so to speak, is understanding that God understands our sin. He can't excuse our sin because he's God. But he says, listen, I've provided a way. Jesus paid the price for our sin. And the Bible tells us that if we'll accept God's gift of eternal life by faith, that he'll give it to us. And we can know for certainty that heaven is our eternal home. 
The question that Congressman Watts was asked was a poignant one. And so I, I ask today, do you know for an absolute certainty if you were to die today, you'd spend eternity in heaven? God doesn't want us to be pretty sure. He wants us to be certain. The Apostle Paul one time was writing to Timothy. And, and in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1 and verse 12, he, he talked about the cause that led him to suffer some things in life. He was living for the cause of God. But, but he told Timothy, he said, nevertheless, he said, I'm not ashamed. He said, because I know whom I have believed. Who did he believe in? The Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he, Jesus, is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. What did Paul committed unto Jesus? The safekeeping of his soul. He just committed himself to Jesus. And what was that day? That would be his last day. Paul told Timothy this. Timothy, look, you're going to go through some things in life, but let me tell you what gives me comfort. I know who I'm believing, Jesus Christ. I know him, and he knows me. And I know that he's going to keep his word. He'll keep his promise. And when that day comes to my life, Timothy, that last day of life, uh, I'm not looking forward to it perhaps, but I can have confidence in knowing what's going to happen at that moment. Because I'm not trusting in me. I'm trusting in him. I want to ask you today as we get this series started. This is where it all begins. If you had to put a percentage to where you stand in your heart in terms of a certainty of your relationship with God, what would you say today? Pastor, I'm 90% sure, I'm 85% sure, I'm 99% sure. Some would say, Pastor, I'm, I'm zero. I, I know for sure that I'm not where I need to be with God. Listen, wherever you are from zero up to 99, I got good news. It can be 100. You can know. You can know. And that's really where life turns around. And, and we can know what it is to have these apps from God downloaded and applied to our lives so that we can do life as he would have us to. I'm going to invite you this morning, if you would, just to join me in standing.